I'm Taylor. I'm Katz. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Hi. Um, now, if last week's episode didn't already have you questioning your government and what extremes they would go to to, you know, get a get a leg up on the enemy and cover up disasters, uh, well, buckle up. Because as we warned you, this week we are going crazy, quite literally. And going into full-on government cover-up conspiracy theory territory with the story of the Montauk Project. You have been warned, this is confusing, insane, and just... Yeah, good luck. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> literally all we can say. Good luck. Good luck to you. Good luck to us. Let's hope we all make it out of here alive. Yeah. Or still cognizant, at the very least. Any of the above. Yeah. So, Montauk, for those unfamiliar, is a fishing village at the very eastern end of Long Island. Technically, it's part of the Hamptons. It's about 120 miles from Manhattan, sparsely populated... And the designated Montauk area stretches 13 miles from Napiag to Montauk Point. No, from Napiag to the Montauk Point Lighthouse on the tip of Long Island, which is the fourth oldest active lighthouse in the USA. That's cool. So easy win with some nice lighthouse facts. <laughs> we like lighthouses. We do. So despite its small size, Montauk has six state parks, making it popular with tourists, particularly famous for its fishing and other water pursuits along with the parks. Uh, it has featured in a number of films and TV shows, but despite this, Montauk is fairly unremarkable in the grand scheme of things. Much the same as many small coastal fishing towns all over the USA, all of the world even. Yeah. That was until the 1980s, when rumours began to spread about a series of secretive government research projects being conducted at Camp Hero, a US Air Force station in Montauk, where US citizens were abducted and experimented on to help develop psychological warfare. Allegedly. Yeah. Big allegedly. There is no caveat we can put or disclaimer we can put on how on this to explain how batshit it all is. Yeah. I mean everything with a grain with a pinch of salt, some healthy skepticism, yeah. maybe some booze. Honestly. If would, if if that's what you're into. It would make it make more sense. If, yeah. If we were all drunk. <laughs> if it wasn't Monday okay. It's just past lunchtime on a Monday. If it wasn't We'd probably be doing shots right now. <laughs> yeah. If this was a night recording, oh, we'd be drinking. We'd be drunk. Because <laughs> that would be the only way to explain what's about to come out of our mouths. But um, before we get truly down the rabbit hole, we'll start with what we know to be accurate and factual and true about Camp Hero. Uh, we'll tell you when things start to veer off course. <laughs> so the tip of Long Island has long been a point of strategic importance, dating all the way back to the American Revolution when the lighthouse was built. Uh, and as well as its normal function as a lamp, it was also used as a lookout for British, British ships heading for New York and Boston, uh, technically becoming the first military station in Montauk. The area's remoteness and position between the two major northeast coast cities also made it a possible target for invasion. During the Second World War, Fort Hero was established just south of the lighthouse and was renamed Montauk Air Force Station in 1953, but locals tended to refer to it as Camp Hero. Yeah, there was also an army presence mm -hmm. as well as Air Force, so... It kind of gets used interchangeably between camp and Air Force, Air Force Station. Yeah. Makes sense. They both were there. Yeah. 
The site was decommissioned in 1981, leaving just an active ground air transmitter receiver on the site, directing military air traffic until 1984, when it was deactivated and removed. The area was abandoned for much of the 1980s and 1990s, with various proposals floated for golf courses on the former military site, but the plans were halted due to environmental concerns. In September 2002, the Camp Hero State Park was opened on parts of the former airbase, although parts of the site are still restricted and off-limits to the general public. And according to Wikipedia, there are plans for a museum and visitor center focusing on Camp Hero's role in the Second World War and the Cold War. Camp Hero had various official uses, but this isn't a military history podcast. Um, You know, among all the other things that this isn't, even though... Yeah, if you listened for like 106 episodes just waiting for this to become about military history... Like, proper military history, not just a few facts from Wikipedia. Yeah, sorry. You're out of luck. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so we're not going to go into all the ins and outs of the base's use, but let's just say uh, that officially it was a plain old military base during the Second World War and the Cold War. Uh, and as one of the most eastern points along this bit of the northeastern coast... Uh, Sea defense was a priority, especially defending from Nazi U-boats. But radar and monitoring the skies became a bigger priority during the Cold War. And, of course, a lot of their work was classified um, just like a lot of military bases. So, this is your, like, take this as, like, your klaxon for, like, (laughs) veering away from... The land of fact and this is reality. Your, this is your buckle up moment. <laughs> yep. Hold on to your butts. Yep. As with many top secret military bases, rumors began to spread about what was really going on at Camp Hero. By the 1970s, there were whisperings of human experimentation, research into psychological warfare, potentially even contact with extraterrestrials. Wide range, yeah. wide ranging remit. Ba- this base, it's they've basically got like the full conspiracy theory combo platter going. Yeah, I mean, this is like Nirvana for QAnon. Honestly, though, so these rumors can be attributed to a number of factors, as well as the secretive nature of the base, which lends itself to rumors and conspiracy. Yeah. So one factor is that the base was actually designed as a decoy so that should Nazi U-boats reach Long Island, they wouldn't recognize Camp Hero as a military base. The base had like a little fisherman's cottage, typical of coastal regions at the time. They had a church, a school, a few shop fronts, everything you would expect to find in like a little coastal village in the 1940s. But there were just fronts, and the real base was hidden behind them and underground. That sounds, like, awesome and adorable, and I want to see it. Like, just, like, a little fake (laughs) ghost town kind of thing. So, during the Second World War, so uh, about 25 miles north of where I live, is the steelworks at Teesside, which are now being shut down. There's still big chemical plants, biochem plants, all that kind of stuff goes on there but it lights up the sky at night Mm -hmm. so during the second world war they built a decoy just like a few miles south of our village Mm -hmm. out on the cliffs um so that they could basically put as many lights out on the actual uh ironworks and steelworks along the coast north of us because they needed them like going full tilt yeah to make like weapons and ammunition and everything. And they built a decoy south of a few miles south of our village and lit it up all bright to look like that's like, what it was, yeah. Like ironworks and steelworks. And that got bombed. Yeah. You know, a similar thing happened in Glasgow. There one of the reasons that Glasgow itself didn't get a lot of damage in World War II was there was a, a decoy version of the city somewhere out in i can't remember where i think it might have been greenick or something Mm. um but yeah it's it's just so clever i love that 
as well as the decoys. We also have to consider the timing of these rumours, though, because it was the mid-1970s when the general public first started to learn about MKUltra, mm-hmm. which was a real CIA experiment carrying out illegal ex- human experimentation on US citizens to try and develop mind control drugs. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, it does make sense that people began to ask questions about what was going on at top secret government buildings, military bases, things like that, around the same time that, you know, people were learning this, they're going to start questioning what extent can they trust the government. But yeah, and also obviously the Cold War, everything was so secretive. Yeah. Nobody knew what was going on, really. But these rumours continue to sort of rumble away in the background for the rest of the 70s and the 80s, long after Camp Hero was decommissioned in 1981. But then in the early 1990s, something happened that took these rumours of experiments at a military base to a huge government conspiracy with a wide-ranging remit and an official name, the Montauk Project. Oh, boy. Mm. You know you know it's big when it's got a name. Yeah, honestly, though. Um, so you know how we warned you before? Well, we're warning you again, because it's about to get weirder. So, get ready. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, so, in 1992, Preston B. Nichols and Peter Moon, and Moon is also known as Al Bielek, or Bilek, depending on your pronunciation. Um, mm. They published their explosive book, The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. This book is written in the first person and written in present tense, which is not how you write books. Just going to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> um. And the book details a research project at Camp Hero that involved human experiments, kidnapped orphans, time travel, aliens, and psychic powers. Doesn't that sound fun? No. I mean, it's like a, a smorgasbord of fun. Yeah, honestly. Now, a full disclosure, we haven't read the entire book, because if we did, our brains would be dribbling out of our ears. But... We have read some snippets and excerpts that are available online, and it's a bit chaotic and lacks a lot of vital information that you would expect a tell-all book to include, but we will get to that. Uh, And the story jumps around in time a lot, which we'll also explain in a bit, but, you know, going on the title alone, Experiments in Time. I mean, the clues right there. You should have known what you were getting in for. Now. We have tried to put it all into chronological order as best as we possibly can. No promises, though. Now, according to Nichols and Moon's book, the Montauk Project had its origins in a World War II program called the Philadelphia Experiment. The Philadelphia Experiment, also known as Project Rainbow, is a conspiracy theory that has been around since the 1950s. And it posits that in 1943... The U.S. Navy was experimenting with cloaking technology to try and hide ally ships from the Axis powers by using electromagnetic fields to bypass radar systems. Seems logical enough. Uh, Now, these experiments, according to the conspiracy theory, were taking place at the naval shipyard in Philadelphia, and the USS Eldridge was one of the ships used in the experiment. The thing was that these electromagnetic fields didn't just cloak the ships and stop them from showing up on Nazi radars. But, in fact, the U.S. military had managed to open a hole in space and time and teleported the USS Eldridge from the Naval Yard in Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia, 200 miles away. What? Yeah. That. You heard that, right? And then, a few minutes later, the Eldridge reappeared in Philadelphia. Because, you know, you got to bring it back. That's, you, like... Yeah. It's not a one-way street. It's not an exciting magic trick if you make the lady disappear, but then she never returns. You know? 
No, that's kind of literally purgatory. Yeah, that's just like kidnapping. So you've got to bring the boat back. Now, there are many variations of what happened to the crew on board the Eldridge, from them being fused into the metal of the ship to being turned inside out. Um, the rest were supposedly driven insane by the disorientation experienced while in this, you know, rip in space and time. Just, you know, like not good for the body, this kind no. of um, excursion. No. No. I mean, you got to do it first with just the boat, then try it with people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds a little bit completely and totally batshit bonkers. Yeah. And, you know, maybe a little bit too far-fetched to be true. Slightly. Yeah, well, that's because it is. All of the above. It's bonkers, it's batshit, and it is too far-fetched to be true. Firstly, it breaks the rules of physics. Because if teleportation had been successfully mastered, someone would have, would have monetized it before by now and long-haul flights would be no more yeah we'd have very expensive like tardises or something we could just hop into and then just pop out somewhere else sounds great yeah secondly uh, according to an article by all that's interesting which covers both the philadelphia experiment and the montauk project the ship's crew from 1943 all dispute the theory of teleportation to virginia entirely and when it comes to retellings from those who supposedly were on board when it was teleported to Virginia, none, none of their accounts really match up. There's no corroboration of each other's stories. And uh, thirdly, the Philadelphia experiment allegedly took place in October 1943. The USS Eldridge, according to a timeline compi uh, compiled by Wikipedia, was commissioned in August 1943 and remained in port in New York City until the following month when it was taken to the Bahamas for shakedown cruise. Which is like the first time it's taken out to see how everything shakes down, yeah. basically. You know, when it was supposedly being teleported between Philadelphia and Norfolk, Virginia... The USS Eldridge was actually, like, chilling in the Bahamas, which is why the ship's crew all deny the teleportation. Because they were hundreds of miles away. Yeah. Possibly thousands? Probably... I don't know. Probably not quite a thousand, like like 800-ish something. Uh, I don't know. The US is big. <laughs> now, you can, of course, argue... That it is all a cover-up and the experiment was real and proponents of his theory do claim this. But regardless, according to Nichols and Moon, this experiment and the discovery of how to open these holes, these rifts in time and space, were the basis of the Montauk Project. Yeah, okay. So, that's where we're starting. <laughs> Following the supposedly successful Philadelphia experiment, reports were compiled and presented to Congress, who rejected the idea of using the technology because it was too dangerous. Proposals were put to the Department of Defense, which promised a new weapon, which at the touch of a button, could drive the enemy insane and even induce symptoms of schizophrenia. Sure. Uh, and while I mean, they did say that crew members were driven insane that's true you know but we also know that schizophrenia is so misunderstood it's kind of become a catch-all term for severe psychological yeah. problems and while congress you know worried about the consequences of such a weapon uh the military said yeah man let's do that uh, and so the super <laughs> and so the super secret Montauk project began in the final years of the Second World War. But this project was so super secret that the Department of Defense couldn't use traditional military funding for this groundbreaking research, especially since Congress had already said, "Nah, no, thank you, pass." So, to fund the project, the Department of Defense 
tapped into a secretive cache of $10 billion worth of Nazi gold, which was recovered by U.S. soldiers in a train tunnel in France after they blew up the train and killed all the Nazis on board. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it is a historical fact that Nazi gold was transported on trains around Europe. Yeah. Um, Canfranc Station on the French-Spanish border was a known interchange point. Yeah. Uh, there's still Nazi gold sitting in vaults in Switzerland. Yeah. But... Blowing up an, a train carrying what is going to be ill-gotten gold. Yeah. Like, the Nazis didn't just happen to mine and pan $10 billion worth no. of gold. So we've got ill-gotten gold to the tune of $10 billion on a train, which has been blown up by the US military in France killing every single Nazi soldier or Nazi officer on board. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows about this? Yeah, that's my thing. Also, I'm sorry, but if the U.S. government, especially during wartime, got their hands on $10 billion worth of gold, they wouldn't have just been waiting around to use it. No. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So, okay. That being said, there is a film called Kelly's Heroes, which is set during the Second World War, and it is about a um, a group of U.S. soldiers who managed to steal some gold from the Nazis and also liberate a French town. Yeah. So Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas... Um, Donald Sutherland <laughs> as Oddball. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It is a good film. But I don't think it's a documentary. No, probably not. Um, yeah, so. Believe it or not, most likely not. That's where the funding came from. Super secret. Nazi gold. Uh, so, the project was taken over by Brookhaven National Lab in Long Island which is a real research facility in Brookhaven, Long Island. Still exists and operates, I believe, to this day. Yeah. Uh, but the project needed a large radar dish, and building one at Brookhaven would attract too much attention, obviously. So the project was moved to Camp Hero, which already had a large ground air transmitter receiver, and the research was carried out in large underground bunkers, so there was no trace of the project to the outside observer. Now, you might be thinking, hang on, wasn't Camp Hero an active military base until the 1980s? Now, you would be correct. Camp Hero was in use by both the US Air Force and the US Army until 1981. But according to Nichols and Moon's account, it was decommissioned in the late 1960s, but maintained the appearance of a military base whilst experiments went on in underground bunkers. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, y'all still with us? In the early 1970s, Preston Nichols began working as an electrical engineer for a government research contractor in Melville, Long Island. But he was also given a grant to carry out a side project studying telepathy. Obviously. Because all our electrical engineers moonlight as telepathy experts. Mm -hmm. But this is where the details get a bit sketchy. <laughs> because it's never specified who gave him the grant, what the actual aims of his project were, etc., etc. And if you're writing an explosive tell-all book about how the government is, you know, carrying out human experimentation on its own citizens, kind of need to start involving these kind of facts. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. But, regardless, he does conclude that telepathy is not only possible, 
but telepathic waves behave in much the same way as radio waves. Mm. He goes on to recruit a group of self-proclaimed psychics to use as test subjects to further his research. And throughout the 1970s and 1980s, he becomes the leader of this group of psychics. Nothing Whilst could go wrong there. Presumably still working as an electrical engineer. Sure. I don't know. So according to the podcast uh, Supernatural with Ashley Flowers, who've also covered this case, three years into his research, he noticed that at the exact same time each day, all of the psychic's minds, quote-unquote, stalled. They remained conscious, but struggled to focus and lost all psychic abilities for a short period of time. And he theorised that an electromagnetic signal was causing interference of some kind for the psychic's abilities, because all the waves work in the same way. Obviously. Makes total sense. Okay, so Preston Nichols had a lab in his home with all kinds of radio equipment that he had collected over the years, and he discovered that at the time the psychics quote-unquote stalled, a huge radio wave appeared on said equipment. When it disappeared, the psychics were back to their normal psychic ways again, obviously. Uh, so he built a kind of radio wave detector that he fixed to his car and then drove around Long Island trying to find the source of this huge psychic disturbing radio wave. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, can you guess where he and his mobile wave detector discovered the source of the wave to be? Yes, of course you can. It's why we're all here today. It was... Can I answer? Oh, can I sure. answer? <laughs> was it? Was it, Campero? It sure as shit was. <gasps> well, I'm glad I was sitting down yeah. for that. It was, in fact, the huge radar tower at the Air Force base at Camp Hero. So, now we knew where the waves were coming from. All Nichols had to do was figure out what experiments were being conducted there. Which, it's pretty simple, right? Because it's a government building, and obviously they just let people walk in and tour their research labs. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I hop up to the early warning station near my house, like, every week just to check in on the yeah. guys. See how Larry's doing. You know. Well, I mean, Nigel is going through a bit of a rough patch yeah. at the moment, so, you Gotta you know. check in on him. Yeah. Um... So, would you believe, he did try walking up to the guards and asking, but they told him to go away because restricted government property. So, he was like, fine. He was just fine with that. He went home, and he didn't think about it for 10 years. Basically. Seems, seems right. But... We don't know what happened in the intervening 10 years. Did the psychics, like, was that still, like, an, a thing? Was he still monitoring them? Were they stalling at the same time every day still? Like, this is what we don't know. There's a lot of, lot, lot of things we don't know. Um, yeah, so after forgetting about all this nonsense for 10 years, in 1984, Nichols learned that the base had been abandoned, so he thought it would be easier to sneak in now that it was abandoned and find out what was being worked on and what the massive radio waves were that were upsetting his merry band of psychics. Oh, boy. You know, I preferred it when we had a merry band of heretics. Yeah, same. Upon breaking into the base, Preston Nichols uh, described a chaotic scene, suggesting that the base had been abandoned quickly, with papers and tools strewn about the place. But also, the technology was far more advanced than anything he had ever seen before, and he managed to acquire some of this technology. Handy. So, again, lots of names, places, and organisations are missing. But the upshot was that... Preston Nichols and one of his psychics, called Brian, were able to walk up to a groundskeeper, hand him a piece of paper from a shady, unknown, unnamed agent who he met through an unknown, unnamed agent at the Surplus Disposal Agency, who are actually a real agency and are responsible for surplus military equipment. And the groundskeeper just let them take 
whatever they wanted from the base. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, whilst at the base, uh, Nichols asked Brian to do a psychic reading, implying that he is still head of this group of psychics. Yeah. But how can he then forget for 10 years about this giant magnetic wave? Because it would be upsetting them every day for 10 years. You would think. So, Brian did the psychic reading, and he revealed that Preston Nichols used to work at Camp Hero, but deserted his post after an experiment went wrong. Hmm. Brian also identified the words mind control as being important to Nichols' work. This was the beginning of a domino effect, as more and more people came forward to Nichols and revealed details of his work and the Montauk project itself. And eventually, Nichols began to recover some of his own repressed memories. Because that's exactly what this story was missing. Right? Honestly, though. Oh, boy. So. A psychic named Duncan befriended Nichols after working together repairing some radio equipment. And the two took a trip to Camp Hero, where Duncan entered a trance and... He later, with some help from Nichols, recovered his own memories about being a test subject at the Montauk Project. So, the pair decided to go public with their newly recovered memories of the Montauk Project and gave a lecture at a U.S. Psychotronics Association conference, which sounds like a very legitimate and not at all crazy organization. Totally. Yeah. Like... Obviously. Yeah. Yep. I'm surprised everyone doesn't know about these guys. Yeah, the USPA. <laughs> um, now, following the lecture, many more people started reaching out to them with tales about what happened at the Montauk Air Force Base, including a U.S. senator who, as you might guess, conveniently wished to remain anonymous, who claimed that there, there's no paper trail for Camp Hero after it was decommissioned in 1969, because that's when the Montauk Project began. So, with all of this new information, Nichols eventually concluded that while he was working in Melville for a defense contractor and conducting his side project on telepathy, he was also working at Camp Hero on the Montauk Project, literally in two places at the same time, meaning that time travel was real. Obviously. Uh, that's exactly the conclusion I would have come to. Um, but this second life in Montauk had somehow been completely removed from his mind. Oh, that's very convenient. It is, isn't it? Uh, all of the pieces began to fall into place, and Preston Nichols eventually remembered his involvement in the Montauk Project, which was a continuation of the Philadelphia Experiment. Hmm. He also discovered that as well as using radio and electromagnetic waves as tools for mind control, the Montauk Project was also working on controlling the weather and communicating with aliens and teleportation, of course, because continuation of the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. Yep. Details are a bit thin on the ground again on, you know, what was happening in all of these areas because Nichols wasn't actually involved in these areas. He worked on the mind control experiments, which involved kidnapping orphans and homeless people from across New England and New York State. As, you know, unwilling test subjects, because the testing was so horrific and unethical. I mean, this is the only part where I'm like, yeah, that would be real because they're the less dead. Yeah. At some point... Nichols had a change of heart and decides he wants to put a stop to the Montauk project because it's so unethical and dangerous. So he, along with other researchers who'd grown unhappy with the way experiments were being conducted, set up what looked like a normal experiment with Brian, the psychic, as the test study, test study, test subject. <laughs> and he told Brian to visualize a monster which he did, and the monster came alive because of, you know, psychic powers and all this research, mm -hmm. and 
all hell broke loose on the base. The monster should have just disappeared when Brian stopped visualising it and manifesting it, leaving the military bosses too scared to continue the Montauk project and just shut it down. But that didn't happen. The monster ran amok throughout the base until it was finally unmanifested. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how you unmanifest a monster. Yeah. The project was disbanded. Those involved had their memories wiped. A la, you know, Men in Black, a little gizmo. Or they were brainwashed into forgetting their involvement in the project. They were sent back in time to relive the 1970s with no knowledge of the Montauk Project or their involvement in it. Now that was until Preston Nichols came along. Obviously. This gives me a headache. <laughs> yeah, whose idea was this? Yours. <laughs> Who didn't stop me from doing this? I didn't know it was this crazy. <laughs> I'd forgotten it was this crazy. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, so, much like Preston Nichols, Peter Moon, or Al Bilek, as he is also known, also managed to recover lost or repressed memories about his role in both the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiment. Now. The problem is that Moon's memories didn't resurface until he watched a 1980s B-movie called The Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, well, isn't that convenient? Isn't it just? Moon used psychic and new age therapies to unlock his repressed memories of both The Philadelphia Experiment and The Montauk Project. He even claimed that his real name was Edward and that he and his brother Duncan had been crewmen on the USS Eldridge in 1943. So this guy has, like, three names. He's, like, he's Edward, he's Peter, he's Al. Yeah. He's everyone. And now he's got a brother, Duncan. Yeah. And this Duncan just happened to be the same Duncan who had befriended Peter Preston Nichols and had been a test subject for the Montauk Project. Wouldn't you know? It all comes together. So. Peter. Edward Al also claimed to have traveled backwards and forwards throughout history, met Jesus, as you do, altered the course of the Cold War and the Second World War, and also claimed that Nikola Tesla himself was also a time traveler who perfected the technology for the Philadelphia experiment. If you go back in time and alter the course of the Second World War and you don't stop the Holocaust from happening, it ain't something to brag about. Yeah, probably not. Um, that's my take on this yeah and also so after reading the wikipedia page for this uh there's something there's another layer of conspiracy about nikola tesla's death and like that was like a whole thing so like it goes even deeper yeah so like don't worry if you've lost the thread, because at this point we have two, uh, we're not going to go into the Nikola Tesla conspiracy theory no. because our brains do not have the bandwidth at this point. No, definitely not. But we are nearly at the end. So close, guys. Kind of. So, according to an article by All That's Interesting, while he was working on the Montauk Project, Moon befriended Nichols and the pair invented the Montauk chair which supposedly helped uh, enhance the psychic powers of whoever sat in it and this is would you believe the chair that brian was sitting in when he was able to manifest the monster which led to the program shutting down and everyone having their memories wiped and being sent back in time to relive the 1970s with no memory of the experiments makes total sense I mean, why didn't we think of this earlier? It's a magic chair. Yeah, that you can manifest and unmanifest a Montauk monster. Yeah. So, Preston Nichols and Peter Moon published their book in 1992, but they prefaced it with a weird kind of disclaimer, saying, whether you read this as science fiction or non-fiction, you are in for an amazing story. <laughs> This is not how you preface an ex 
explosive book detailing, like, illegal human experimentation. I mean, it's how they did. Yeah. This has led many to believe it is a complete work of fiction. And its claims of experimentation in Montauk have been flat out denied by pretty much every government agency who have who have been asked about it or alleged to have had any involvement in it. I would imagine that conversation went less like, of course, nothing happened and more like, ha 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 ha. The fuck out yeah. of there. <laughs> Security. <laughs> so... Not everyone is a skeptic. Shocker. And after the book was published, numerous people came forward who claimed to have been kidnapped and experimented on as part of the Montauk Project, and that reading or hearing about this book helped shake loose these hidden memories of their time at the Montauk Project. Nichols and Moon went on to publish three more books throughout the 90s about the Montauk Project. Uh, Moon also co-authored a book with Stuart Swerdlow, who came forward in the mid-1990s to claim he had been a test subject at Camp Hero. Other claims made in their books include the moon landings were a hoax, AIDS was created in a lab at the Montauk base, the internet was invented in Montauk, Nazi scientists who were recruited as part of Operation Paperclip worked on the Montauk project, meta-humans were created in a lab, so we're like way ahead of... Uh, Facebook <laughs> and the fuck's his name? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. All I, I like, all I could think of was Wahlberg. I was like, that's no. not it. <laughs> that is not the one. <laughs> yeah, they're like 30, 40, 50 years ahead yeah. in creating this metaverse. Uh, the Jersey Devil was also created in a lab. Which, if you haven't looked up, the Jersey Devil on Wikipedia. Do that. Terrifying looking creature. Yeah, also the... Well, I guess... Time travel. But the... Legend of the Jersey Devil has been around since like the 1700s. Yeah, but like you say, time, time travel. travel it, it was created in the 70s and it was then taken back to the 17-whatever. It's really the, the perfect trump card. It's like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. Time travel. Is anyone else getting a migraine? Yes. Um, and if that wasn't enough for you, MetaHumans, Internet, Operation Paperclip, Jersey Devils, hoax, moon landings. It is also possible, according to these books, that Men in Black originated in the basements of Montauk. And we're not talking about the Will Smith film. No. Actual theory of the men in black. This makes me tired. This just makes me so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had a brief sort of thought then of like, oh, maybe we could do men in black one for like an episode. I'm saying no. no. I don't have the energy for that. Just just interrupt myself with that. No. Um, now, it's possible at this point that you're thinking this is all feeling a little bit familiar, you know? A bit like a, a science fiction show you may have seen on a major streaming service. Well, hold on to your egos, folks. If you're feeling those vibes, it's because the Montauk Project is the inspiration behind the hit Netflix show Stranger Things, which was actually developed under the working title Montauk. And in fact, the original setting for the show was the eastern tip of Long Island before it was changed to rural Indiana. Like. <laughs> that's wild yeah and it tracks makes sense it does um now following the release of stranger things on netflix the montauk project conspiracy theory began to gain traction again moving from the fringes to a more mainstream consciousness and people began to ask more and more questions about what happened at camp hero during its 40-year existence as we've already explained there is no real evidence of human experiments in time travel, psychological warfare, or mind control, having ever been conducted at Campero. However, it wouldn't be the first top-secret human experimentation project that the USA carried out on its own citizens in the 20th century. MKUltra and the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, to name just two. Nor would it be the first time 
a once batshit fringe conspiracy theory turned out to be true. <laughs> MK Ultra and the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. Two name, just two. But also Watergate, NSA mass surveillance, even Operation Mockingbird. Now, obviously, this leaves the government, at best, red-faced. At worst, with some pretty tough questions to answer. Yeah. Uh, last year, a viral TikTok video claimed that former President Bill Clinton had been forced to apologise for the Montauk Project and the human experimentations on runaways and orphans. Uh, so the video says, Mind-blowing things you didn't know, part one. Stranger Things was based on true events, the Montauk Project, 1940s to 1980s. The Montauk Monsters, they were found on an insland, <laughs> which I assume is island? either inlet or island. Yeah. I assume island. Washed up right near where the Montauk experiments were happening. Bill Clinton even had to apologise on live TV for experiments and... For the experiments and runaway orphans. I think I should say on, on yeah. runaway orphans. Uh, so this transcript is taken from Snopes, oh, which we'll get onto in a second. So the video then cuts to a clip of Bill Clinton standing at a podium saying, What was done cannot be undone. What the US government did was shameful and I am sorry. Now, the video has been deb debunked by Snopes.com as completely false. While the clip of Bill Clinton is real, it was, according to Snopes, taken from a speech he gave in 1997 apologising for the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Yeah. No US president has ever publicly admitted that the Montauk Project actually took place, let alone apologised for it. And that, we think is the story of the Montauk Project. Questions? Comments? My head hurts. <laughs> like, I legit have a pain, yep. like, between my eyes. Yep. And I don't think it's because I can't wear my glasses while looking at a screen because I've got my headphones on. I think it's something to do with the words. <laughs> it's just insane. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no. <laughs> Is all I can say. I'm with you. No. Just no. It's not a thing. Didn't happen. It's. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, when at the beginning I kind of compared it. So very jokingly to QAnon. Uh-huh. It's got the same kind of tropes in that it's wide-ranging uh -huh. and it kind of like covers anything that happens to come up in conversations like, oh, yeah, well, they were experimenting on psychics, but there was electromagnetivity, there was teleportation, there was a rift in time and space. Yeah. Then we had aliens, psychological weapons. I met Jesus. Yeah, Nikola Tesla's alive. Like, literally. We changed the outcome of the Second World literally War. Literally everything. Yeah, it's literally just, like, you threw everything and the kitchen sink into this fucking conspiracy theory. And then lit some dynamite. Yeah. And, like, so I went and looked at the Wikipedia page for this. Well, I looked at the Wikipedia page for, like, the theory, but also for the series of books. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the page on the series of books is, like, they're generally considered to be a science fiction series. Yeah. So, like, if people see them as that, it's a great science fiction series. I mean, who is going to come up with something to match that? Right? Like, it's literally got everything. It's It's, like, grounded enough in, like, actual historical fact for a fictional story like you've got the like actual location that the u.s military inhabited and worked at and stuff and like mm. 
and it's like got the you know little coastal like lighthousey stuff that's always great for that kind of weird story. Yeah, it's 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 got the mystery. Yeah, vibes. but that's that's where it stops. Yeah, I think. I think it's like a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of supernatural theories as well, is that you have to be susceptible. Mm -hmm. If you believe that the government is conducting or could be conducting experiments on its own citizens in all of these areas, Mm -hmm. and someone comes along and goes, hey, you might have actually lived in the 70s and had a completely different life. Yeah. People will insert themselves into of things. Course. Like if if you're susceptible, you're like, well, would you, well, maybe I was. I am a psychic. Yeah, and like I've never done drugs for a number of reasons. One of which just being I'm absolutely chicken shit. <laughs> I do not like not being in control of my body. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've taken drugs. Honestly, going through this story, this is like a bad trip. Yeah, and I wonder. If that's exactly what happened to some people, they're like, essentially, you know, very susceptible, mm-hmm. possibly had been on like some kind of trip after learning about, you know, uh, Nichols and Moon's claims. Mm-hmm. And then like, been like, oh, well, guess what happened to me? Yeah. Well, and also it kind of sounds like the books were written on some sort of mm. drug-induced something. <laughs> well, so I have, in my pile of books to read, I have a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh-huh. which my dad read a couple of years ago, and he loved it because he's really into like science fiction, especially like space-themed mm. science fiction. And so he gave me the book. He said, oh, you've got to read it at some point. And he's like, I don't know what that guy was on when he wrote it, but it must have been fun. (laughs) Yeah. So it's highly possible this is a similar situation. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't have much more to say about this (laughs) because I think it really says it all. Yeah. Like, there really isn't a lot you can say. No. No. It's I think we've made it very clear. We don't believe this happened. No. I don't. Are our governments experimenting on its citizens? Possibly. Definitely. Is there historical precedent? Uh-huh. Definitely. Let's say MK Ultra for, for one. The Tuskegee syphilis experiment, um, various others, yeah, which have abandoned my memory right There's now. There's plenty. Yeah, there is a precedent for it, but did it happen at this specific place in this specific way? No. I don't believe it did. No, definitely not. No. Because it's too far ranging. Yeah. There's just too many things going on. That's it. It's like when you when you lie and you include too many details. Mm. They've added too many details. Like if you picked one, yeah, like time travel, mm. or you picked one with like teleportation, or you combine those two, fine. But nah, there's too many things. Instead of just like you say, sticking to one area it's like well this happened and then this happened and then this and it just keeps going it keeps snowballing yeah it's like well i didn't break the lamp uh a psychic manifested monster came into the house and broke the lamp and then he ate my little brother and then they traveled (laughs) back in time and met jesus and had a coffee with him and then everyone came back and our minds were wiped and we went back in time and relived the 70s and that's why the lamp is broken like it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to scoff, but it is a little bit worrying. Yeah. And it's 
And when you've got uh, Preston, uh, Preston Nichols being like the leader of this group of psychics, and everyone kind of keeps gravitating towards him to, you know, reveal more and more information. Mm-hmm. It's kind of becoming a bit like a cult as well. Honestly, when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is going to become a psychic cult then. Or this is a psychic cult. <laughs> you know, I would believe that more. Yeah. That, you know, the psychics were in a cult and then they were disturbed every day by an electromagnetic wave. Yeah. I could believe that. Oh my god. Just the rest I can't yeah, believe. Yeah, it just kind of spirals from there. Yeah. Yeah, so, let us know what you think. Uh, were you... Were you experimented on? Yeah. In Montauk in the 70s, did you go back and relive your life? Yeah. Uh, How'd you know? Yeah. Tell us... Have you... Tell us what level, like... How many different ingredients down the list is where you stop believing in it? Like, yeah, psychics, t- like cloaking, cloaking teleportation, teleportation, secret experiment. Like, just wh- wh- what what notch on that belt is the mm-hmm. is the the cutoff point? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> on a scale of one to Psychic warfare, weather control weaponry. Yeah. Oh god, that's, that's it. Controlling the weather as well, like, uh, like that is something we actually need. I know. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Basically, I'm sorry for this. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. Um. Well, you know, we believe in, like, sharing the love, but also sharing the suffering. Yeah. Uh, just, it's a lot. Um, I really hope you didn't do a drinking game during this episode of any <laughs> kind, because you, you'll, you're, you have alcohol poisoning now. <sighs> so assuming you didn't, if you liked this, God help you. But if you did, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Especially on Apple Podcasts, because it helps us get in front of more people, which may or may not be a good thing at this point. Um, <laughs> and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Now, you may be happy to hear, or you may not be, that we're going back to true crime. So, <laughs> next next week. Yes. So if you... Yes, next week, May is um, Sky Crimes. Yes. So. If you want to go back to that, uh, you should subscribe so that you can be notified when this stops and that begins again. So. Yeah, and we will be filing all this away until Halloween. Yeah. When we go batshit bonkers anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you want some Square Mile of Murder merch, we do have that available for you to purchase you can find that at the link in our show notes or on our website or by going to squaremileofmurder.store. Yeah. And if you would like to help cover the costs of making this this <laughs> our life's work, help us invest in the future of whatever this yeah. is. I mean, we've moved on from our, like, Blue Men of the Minch production company. That was tame in comparison. <laughs> and that was yeah, not that was, tame. <laughs> that was pretty normal up un- like until this month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The worst thing was we were going to create a Blue Man version of the Blue Men of the Minch. Yeah. It's all... Uh, the Flannan Isles Lighthouse Keepers, if you have forgotten where this reference yes. comes from. Um, yeah, so if you would like to keep encouraging us financially to keep doing whatever the fuck we do once a week, uh, you can join our Patreon page. Tierstat at just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes one day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more. 
including bonus episodes and exclusive stationery that you can't buy anywhere. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash murder. Links are in all the usual places. Ugh. You are all released for the yeah. week. Go, go. I don't know, Silkwood showers? Huh. Something like yeah. that. Take a nice walk. Just stick your face in a soft furry animal. Yeah. Just, you know. Good luck to you all. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We'll see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Like, I genuinely worry about us sometimes. Who doesn't? <laughs>